A welcome to church. Happy 4th of July weekend. If you're watching this on July 5th, it's crazy because sometimes we never know when someone's tuning in. But if you happen to be tuning in July 5th, man, I hope your weekend was absolutely incredible. Uh, we're so thankful for the freedoms, obviously, we get to enjoy in this country. And so glad that you are with us at church today. Welcome to the X. Welcome to the family. I got friends and family with me here today. They're pumped. They're excited. And uh, wherever you're tuning in from, I don't know if you're on a car, a plane, a boat. If you're on a boat, I'm jealous. I wish I was there. You need to invite me next time. But wherever you're tuning in from, and I'm so glad that you are with us. Maybe someone dragged you onto this under the stream. Maybe they bribed you into just coming today. But however you came today, I'm so glad that you are with us. And if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I'm Russ. I'm on the team here, one of the pastors on staff. If you were with us last week, yes, you are stuck with me for the second week in a row. And I am so, so sorry about that. But I have really good news, really good news. Next week, Pastor Tim, our lead pastor, will be back and there is no one like him. And I have even better news than that. Yeah. And here's where I believe the Amen Corner is going to explode. In fact, I want to look right in the camera and tell you this. That if you're watching this on July 5th, one week from today, we will be back in person. Yeah. We will be back in person. And if you've not heard the news, we're starting as one location in Lancaster. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And I'm so excited. I, I want to do cartwheels. And can I just tell you, I, I think that I really need human interaction. I, I, I think, you know, as quarantine, I don't know what it's looked like for you. Obviously, I've been around people on the days that we film and when staff gets together and we're starting to step out of quarantine. But I will say this. I, I've had some moments where I've just noticed that um, I, I think I need more practice with human beings. I, I was telling the staff this, that uh, the other week I went to Schiller Park. In German Village, German Village fan, Kelsey, yep. family loves German Village, and I was doing my Saturday routine, uh, Tracy Vance, where I, I go to German Village, and I'll read, and I'll run, and for some people, that may sound like awful to you. I don't know what like your day off routine looks like. That may sound like uh, honest misery and torture, but I will go on Saturdays and just read and run, and a family came up to me. And this family uh, walked up to me. I was reading a book on a bench and said, hey, can we take a picture? And I thought, I'm more famous than I knew. I, man, they've been listening to my messages. This is awesome. And um, I, I was like, okay. And, and uh, I said, sure. And, and, and so I, I invited, um, you know, I, I just sat there on the bench. And they looked at me a little odd. A little, it got a little awkward. And she goes, oh, no, we, we, we wanted to take a picture with our son. And she pointed to uh, her son. At which point I said, oh, sure. And I, I scooted over on the bench so he could sit beside me. And then it got more awkward. And then she, and then it just, there was silence. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. You don't want me in the picture. You actually want me out. And I still, and in my defense, there was a lot of benches around. And this one didn't have a specifically unique view. So I didn't understand. So finally I said, I'm so sorry. And I got up and walked away. And then this was, this was like a month ago. For some reason, I hadn't tried to shake anybody's hand yet. But this is the first time I tried. I tried to shake her hand and and she gave me an elbow, and it got awkward, and I was like, I need practice with human beings. <laughs> In fact, Pastor Steve, sorry, one more. You remember this. Two weeks ago, we're at the well eating, your favorite place. Yeah. Favorite, place. favorite place. And a waitress comes up. You know that awkward moment where maybe, maybe you're a waiter or waitress, and there's just complete silence at the table, and she was pouring our water, and I felt bad about it, so I thought, okay, there needs to be some sort of interaction, engagement, and it was really quiet, and I noticed that she had on a bracelet that said, Go Army. So I said, I said, hey, how's, how's the army going? She didn't hear me. She didn't say anything. I think she was in her own world. And then she finally, she goes, I'm sorry. And I said, how's the army? And she said, I'm not in the army. <laughs> and then I didn't say anything. And it just, it just remained quiet. So I need human interaction. I cannot wait to see you next week. I hope that you're there. But hey, we're in summer at the X, our summer series. I hope you've enjoyed it. Have you enjoyed summer at the X? It's been amazing. And uh, today, I really do believe, all joking aside, 
uh, that wherever you're tuning in from, I don't even know what you believe. I don't even know if you believe anything, but even if you don't believe anything, I believe that God believes in you. And I believe today is a day that God is going to speak something to you that could change your life forever. And if you have a Bible with you, if not, no worries, we'll have it on the screen. But I want to kick us off with a simple verse today. It's Genesis 2, verse 7. If you're new to faith, this is right in the beginning of the book. We'll make it easy for you. This is, this is the creation account where followers of Jesus believe that everything in the universe, the stars, the quasars, the galaxies, the solar systems, all of it is not by accident, that you're not by accident, but this was in the mind of a divine being from the beginning that had you in mind, purpose in mind. In Genesis 2, if you've read Genesis before, there's creation accounts that come from two angles. And this is the second angle in Genesis 2-7 of when God creates man. This is right after he's already created land and water, animals, the skies. And as great as your cat is and as great as your dog is, God decides, I want to create a human being made in my own image. Imago Dei is the saying. God stamped on the inside of me. Maybe you don't believe in God, but you always think about, at least from time to time, what's after this life. It's because God set eternity in your heart, and he creates man. In Genesis 2-7, one verse, really simple, it says this, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The first thing that God did with the physical structure of a human being is he breathed into him. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the first thing that the first human being ever did was catch their breath. And this may sound really simple, but the, the burden I feel today is simple, and it's this, is that there's going to be people watching this that you're today going to catch your breath for the first time in a long time. That I feel like, let's just be honest, we're in a, in a time in a year where so many people just feel like they can't catch their breath. But here's what I believe. No matter what state you're in today, God's going to breathe new life into you. And he's going to breathe new joy. And he's going to breathe new peace. And he's going to put a second wind in your sails. God is still in the business of breathing his breath into men and women. And, and I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to talk for a few minutes from the Bible, and, and, and then I'm going to pray again at the end, and you're going to go have your quarantine lunch or go swim in the lake or whatever you're going to do. But since I believe that this moment can change everything, I want to encourage you to do something. As I pray, and not just listen to me pray, but there's something powerful about expectation. And I want to encourage you to pray with me that God would speak to you everything he longs to speak to you today. Father, I love you so much. And Jesus, I just believe that you are reaching out to people. I don't know when they'll watch it. I don't know if it's July 5th, 2020 or August 29th, 2024, but your spirit is not limited to time or space. And God, wherever people are watching, your spirit, I believe, is going right there to breathe new life. God, we're out of breath today as a nation, as individuals, as a world. But the one that created this world can breathe new life. And so I ask for the breath of God to rest on everybody today that's watching. In Jesus' name, and amen. amen. And amen. amen. Hey, question. What have you missed the most during quarantine? If I was to poll this group, what have you missed the most? I'm going to get to you last, Pastor Steve, because I feel like I know what it is. I believe it starts with the letter S. Yep. Tracy, what have you missed the most during this weird season, whatever it's looked like for you? Community. Community. I love that. Anybody else? Let, what is it? Byron. Being able to gather. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I have a feeling for you at sports. Yes. yes. Anybody else, put in the chat if you have missed sports. Now, if you know me, I'm a sports guy. Okay, if you don't know me, I'm not the biggest sports guy. But I will say, one of the diamonds in the rough of quarantine is that my two favorite athletic heroes documentaries were made about. Michael Jordan, the last dance, the greatest basketball player of all time. 
the greatest, not the second, the greatest basketball player of all time, and then Bruce Lee. Be water. Come on, somebody. Bruce Lee, they made a documentary about, and so here's the thing. You may think, okay, I can't even relate to this guy because he doesn't like sports. Here's the thing. I used to like sports. When I was growing up, just to take you on a journey, um, when I was younger, um, I played basketball, believe it or not, for 12 years. Now, I know that I don't have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar height, but I watched Pistol Pete when I was young, and I got really obsessed, and I would do dribbling skills all the time, and my dad would do basketball camps during the summer. And then I think one day what ruined it all is I had this moment, this highlight, where I stole the ball going down the court, and then I got a free open pass going down the court. I dribbled. No one was even behind me. I was going like the wind, and I was going towards the belt, and I literally heard someone starting to chant, he will go all the way. And I did. I did, and I laid it up. I'm pretty sure it was like Jordan. I think I spun three times. I'm not sure, but it went in, and I was so excited. And then I turned around, and to my horror, I had gone to the wrong basket. And I think it scarred me psychologically, and so I just, I never recovered. And I remember for a while, I took, it's not that funny. I remember I took martial arts for a long time. Believe it or not, 15 years I took martial arts. But my sport, I got this from my dad, was baseball. I played baseball. I still love baseball, to be honest. I love the, the live uh, American like pastime, the feel of baseball. Some people think it's boring, but I love baseball. I played from kindergarten through high school. Let's see what else. Um, I, I'll, I'll still beat anybody watching in ping pong. I was incredible at ping pong. But the sport that I actually thought when I, when I got older, after I kind of just got tired of baseball, in my later years of high school, somebody told me that I had the build to be a wrestler. I didn't know whether to be insulted by that or not, but they said, you got the build to be a wrestler. So I, I went, I tried out, I did wrestling. Uh, believe it or not, I lost 15 pounds in three days. If you don't know about wrestling conditioning, it's no joke. Lost 15 pounds in three days. And then I remember um, I, I joined the team, and one day in practice, right when I thought, man, this is going to be the thing that I'm going to do the, the, these last two years of high school, I cracked a rib. I think a few ribs in practice. I was in agony, couldn't breathe, and I, I but I, here's what happened. I, even though I couldn't breathe, we were doing that, I think we were doing that last drill where they have somebody on your back, and you have to go around in circles, and, um, and so finally I told the guy, I said, you've got to get off, and uh, he got off, and then they started yelling at me because then we had to do more drills. So anyways, I, I sucked it up. By the time it was over, the ambulance had come and was carrying me away, and I could not breathe, and it ended my three-day career as a wrestler. But can I tell you something? There was something really terrifying about not being able to breathe. Can I tell you, breath matters. God, the first thing he did with the man is he breathed into him. And a couple months ago, I had a conversation with a friend, and not to get all deep, but we just we started talking about there's something this year about this concept of breath, and that we've taken for granted something as precious and as simple as breath. Back in March, probably earlier last year, but back in March, the world shut down because people started losing their lives, gasping for breath from COVID-19. And whatever you believe about it, the numbers or whatever, hundreds of thousands of people have lost their lives. The whole world shut down. Economy went into recession. Things went crazy because the agony, the terror. Can you imagine the, the suffering of, of watching your loved ones lose and gasp for breath? We started wearing masks so that other people's breath wouldn't get into our breath because breath matters to God. From the moment we're born, the first thing we do is, and we take a breath, and right before we slip into eternity, the last thing we do is gasp out our last breath. And then we all know five, six weeks ago, whenever you're watching this, that a man named George Floyd took his last breath as a knee went into his back and the world was set on fire, and to be honest, is still on fire. It's crazy. I, I, was, I was at Easton this past weekend. That's where hipsters like Byron and Pastor Steve shop and go get coffee. And as I was at Easton, I saw, depending on where you live, you may not see people wearing masks a lot, but everybody at Easton had on masks. And I saw a group of people walking out wearing masks, and on the mask was stitched, I can't 
breathe. And I just thought, how crazy is this world right now? That hundreds of thousands of people can't breathe and have lost their lives from a pandemic where they can't breathe. So people are wearing masks so that other people's breath doesn't get in their breath to where they can't breathe. So on their mask, though, they're wearing something that says, I can't breathe, that actually has nothing to do with that pandemic, but a pandemic of racism where other people have lost their breath. And, and... and, and here's what, I, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but here's what I know. You may be white and, and thinking, I am sick of this channel. But then there is a great majority of our black brothers and sisters that are saying, I've waited my whole life for us to turn to this channel. And I'm hoping we never turn off this channel. Because I, I love what Pastor Tim preached about a couple weeks ago about the Father's heart for unity. And how we're for all people. And we love all people and we're for law enforcement we have we have uh firemen and policemen in our house today watching this and we honor you and we pray for you every policeman I personally know is an incredible human being they're great people but that does not detract from the pain that part of our family is experiencing today and we're here saying that we're not a one post and done people we are with you in the fight and the bible says to weep with those who weep not explain away why they weep and so we just want you to know that we're going to continue to raise our voice so that no other brother sister mother father cousin loses their breath because of the color of their skin. Breath matters to God. The first thing he did was breathe breath. And then I'm talking to someone last week, and, and they said, you know, you can almost feel the guilt in their voice. They start talking about the financial situation they're in, and, and they start talking about their, their elderly parents who were getting sick. And you could almost tell they felt guilty because they didn't have it as bad as somebody else. But they just said, Russ, I just got to be honest. I just feel out of breath. I just feel like this year, oh my gosh, this year I can't catch my breath. And I just want you to know God is going to help you catch your breath today. And he's going to breathe into you. And if you're ready to take notes, and if you're ready to help shout me down so that I don't preach for the next two hours, I believe God's going to help you catch your breath. Three simple Thoughts. Turn to the person beside you and say, catch your breath. Catch your breath. Catch your breath. Three simple thoughts today. Number one, write this down. Say, get in rhythm. Get in rhythm. Get in rhythm. Get in rhythm. To catch your breath, you must realize breathing is a rhythm. In fact, let's just try it. Doesn't that feel good? Maybe you've needed that all week. Just one more time. When I was a kid, I, I used, Pastor Steve, I used to um, kind of get in my head if I thought too much about breathing. You ever done that? Like you think too much about breathing and then you're like, I don't know how to breathe anymore. Uh, I, you know, like you just, you just stop. You're like, I don't know how to breathe anymore. I was, I'm thinking too much about it. it, it the, the human body is amazing in that there's something beautiful, intrinsic in us that doesn't have to think about the rhythm of our lungs. But can I tell you, if I'm ever going to catch my breath, I, I may not need to pay attention to the rhythm of my lungs, but I do need to pay attention to the rhythm of my life. Come on, and, and so many times, in fact, I would write this down, many times I'm out of breath because I'm out of rhythm. Many times, the reason I'm out of breath is I'm out of rhythm. If, if I inhale nine times and exhale one time, I'm out of rhythm. If I inhale five hours a day of news articles and bad news and social media, but I never even exhale five minutes of my stress in the presence of God, I'm going to feel out of breath because I'm out of rhythm. A couple weeks ago, I felt this. I was like, Something, something's wrong in my spirit. Something's off. And I realized, like, just this week, knowing that I was preaching, I just took off social media. I just needed a new rhythm because if I, whatever area of my life is out of rhythm will get out of breath, whether it's whatever it may be. Maybe in your life, it's, it's your relationships. Maybe in your life, it's your time. Maybe it's, man, I, before I open Facebook in the morning, I'm going to get in God's word and I'm going to let it breathe into me. I'm going to set new rhythms in my life. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, I love this. Jesus says this. He says, are you tired, worn out, Burned out on religion, come to me. 
get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Learn how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that phrase. I've been praying in this season. Maybe this would be a prayer of yours. God, in this season, teach me your rhythms for my life. Teach me your rhythms for my life. I can't keep inhaling stress and never exhaling in the presence of God. I love where it says in Philippians 4, 6, to let my request be made known to God. That In the original language, it's like that imagery of something that's wanting to come out, but I keep stuffing it in. I keep stuffing in the worry. I keep stuffing in the stress. I keep stuffing in the anxiety. And God's word says, no, let it rise up. In the presence of God to process and let him breathe into you. I, gotta, I, gotta in, I can't just keep inhaling stress. i got to exhale stress, inhale joy, exhale sorrow, inhale peace, inhale the presence of God. I need, I, tell somebody besides you on the couch, say, get in rhythm. Get in rhythm. Get, get in rhythm. I, I'm so glad. you. Can I tell you, Byron, I'm glad that we are a church in rhythm when it comes to serving. Can, can I tell you that the Bible says that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed? In 2017, I went to the Dead Sea uh, in, in Israel. I think Pastor Tim's talked about this phenomenon before. And in the Dead Sea, you can literally float. And the reason you can float, the reason it's dead, is number one, because of how much salt is in the sea. But number two, because the Dead Sea has an input from the North Jordan River, but it has no outflow. And wherever you have an input but no outflow, you got problems and you're going to get out of breath. In, in quarantine, I've had an input of DoorDash pizza, but very little outflow of exercise. And so I get out of breath. I get out of breath easier when I'm walking up steps. But we say here that servant leadership is our position. We know that it's actually more blessed to give than to receive. We know if I'm going to have a healthy life, there's got to be a rhythm. There's got to be a rhythm of I'm not just coming to church and life to consume, but I'm going to let God do something in me so that it flows out of me. This is the power and rhythm of generosity. Sometimes my finances are out of breath because my finances are out of rhythm. Someone once told me one time, they said, Pastor Russ, if you want your finances to be blessed, you got to keep the flow going because God won't send resources to you if you can't send resources through you. If, if I'm having a financial issue, maybe it's because I'm out of rhythm. Tell the person beside you, say, get in rhythm. You got to get, you got to get in rhythm. You got to get, tell somebody, say, you, you know, look, I, I may not know how to dance, but I'm going to get my life in rhythm. Put it in the chat, say, get in rhythm. You know, forgiveness is a rhythm of a Christ follower. I think sometimes we choke out the life of God in us because we, we refuse to forgive. One of the rhythms of a Christ follower is that of grace. God has extended me grace that I'll never deserve, and so I'm going to extend the same grace God has given me. What's the secret to forgiveness? Paul said this, forgive others as God and Christ has forgiven you. One time Jesus told a parable about forgiveness. He said there was a man who owed a ton of money to a king to the owner, to the manager. And one day, the manager showed him mercy and said, I'm going to forgive you of this crazy, crazy debt. That's us, by the way. Owing oh, crimes. No matter what you think somebody's done to you, it's not worse than us sinning against a God who is the king of glory and holy. And, and he says, but Jesus told this parable that the person was forgiven, but then the person went and found a fellow servant that owed them just a little bit and said, I'm going to demand that you pay this back to me. And the Bible says that he choked him. You know, sometimes I think if I haven't felt God's presence in a while, could it be that unforgiveness has cut off the circulation of my spiritual life? Can, 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 I, can I tell you that when I don't forgive, I break the rhythm? I break the rhythm of grace that's supposed to flow in me and through me, and I wonder why I don't have joy. I wonder why I don't have peace. Can I tell you maybe forgiveness is how you get back in rhythm? And get back in breath. I, I won't spend a lot of time here. I almost don't want to go here because it's, it really is worth its own message. And, and uh, it, it may create more questions than answers. But I have to share it because of how powerful it's been in my life. But there's something that sounds really ancient and really weird today. That has been a game changer in my life for the last four years. And it's a rhythm that God gave called Sabbath. It's a day that God says, I want to give you a gift to help you catch your breath. Six days a week, you pour out. I want you to have a day where you receive. 
If you know the, the Bible story, the children of Israel had spent hundreds of years in slavery. And all they did was work and make bricks and slaves. They were human doings. They weren't human beings. And one of the first things God did when he dragged them out of this system of slavery and, and accomplishment as king and work as idol is he gave them ten commandments. And we're not under the law anymore, but we think most of them are still pretty good ideas. Don't kill, don't steal. One of them was a command and a gift. And he said, God said, you've been working all this time. I want you to take one day a week, and I want you to cease from work and rest and delight in me. It's a day to catch your breath. About four years ago, I hit a wall in my life, and I, I wondered, I, I thought what God was trying to speak to me about was about a lot of different things, but God put his finger, I can't speak for you, but for me, on my pace, on the restlessness of me, that I was rushing through the surface of life. And my body and my soul and my mind was feeling the results of it. And through that, I, 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 I met some people. I met a guy named Matthew in, in Dallas and him and his wife, they both work full time, and him and his wife and his three kids, they started this thing called Sabbath where on a, on a Friday night, they will turn off all their electronics. Some of you are getting stressed out already. They'll turn off all their electronics, and they'll light some candles, and I think they'll, they'll have a glass of wine or whatever, I don't know, and they'll, they'll, they'll pray over their kids, say a blessing, and the next morning, they'll, they'll keep electronics off to the next night, and they'll make pancakes, and they'll pray, and... And, and, and he says it's changed his life. And 90% of you have already shut me down because you're like, okay, that's, I know, I know you have, I know you have. So that's why I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Um, because you're thinking, okay, that sounds wonderful. Most people, it, it, okay, that sounds ideal. That sounds great. Never in a million years would I be able to do that. Some of these guys are even nodding. They're thinking, that sounds really wonderful. That sounds really spiritual. So I get it, I get it, I get it. But I, 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 I would not even want to speak about rhythm without just throwing it out there. Then what if you just open up to the possibility that the excuses I would have to not unplug the Wi-Fi and plug it back in so I might work a little better? That everybody's always had those. And could it be possible to just consider the invitation that God might have for you and I to rest? Abraham Heschel said this, this ancient rabbi said, The Sabbath is the most precious present mankind has received from the treasure house of God. When God was um, in Exodus, when he was talking to the children of Israel about this day to just unplug, uh, he, he referenced the fact that himself in Genesis rested. That God himself rested. Not because he was tired, but I'm going to read you this word because it makes me sound smart. The, the, the Hebrew word is vayanafash. He said, just like I rested as an example, and this is Old and New Testament, by the way. He said, so I want you to rest. You know what that word means? It means God, this is crazy, and scholars debate what this means. It means God refreshed his soul. You, you know, there was even laws back then, and we're not under the law, but there were laws back then. There were just principles that even the land, they had to give a Sabbath every seven years. And now we understand even, uh, even from a, a geographical standpoint um, why that would be necessary. Because if a, if a ground never gets a chance to rest, it will not produce the soil that it could. It, right. Even land has to catch its breath. And so maybe you're not ready for what I'm throwing down. But could, what if... What if what are some maybe baby steps you could take? Maybe what if it's just even a few hours a week that you say, I need to give my soul room to breathe. Room to, John Ortberg, a great spiritual leader, once told somebody that was stressed out in ministry. They said, I, I just feel this weight on me. And they said, what should I do? And he thought they were going to say, you need to fast and pray for years and years and years. You need to do this. You need to do that. And here's what he told him. He said, hurry is the greatest enemy to your spiritual health ruthlessly eliminated. And I'm not there yet, but I can tell you as a very restless, type A-driven person, I am leaning into, and here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that the more I give God, it's kind of like the tithe. 
It is really hard to trust God with the tithe when you first start out. To trust that my 90% blessed can go further than my 100%. Same with time. Can I trust that God can multiply the moments? Can I trust? I, I, I know you're still, you're not there yet. It's fine. But I had to throw it out anyways. Third one. Third one. No, second one. Sorry. First one, get in rhythm. Put in the chat, get in rhythm. Second one, open the flow. What is it that could be blocking the flow today of the life of God in you that would bring such life and such nourishment to your soul? In case you've ever wondered what Jesus came to do, John 10.10 tells us what Jesus came to do and what the enemy came to do. John 10.10 says the uh, this is what Jesus says. He says, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He came to choke out the breath. Yep. Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Can I tell you, God wants your lungs full today. He wants your lungs full today. And if I were to ask you this question, probably you would know from the moment I say it immediately what it is. What's the thing that's choking out the life of God in you? What's the thing that's choking out the life of God and you, and I'll give you a hint, it's not always bad things. In fact, Jesus told this parable, Mark 4, 15 through 20, he says this, Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, so they get excited. They get really excited about God. But look at this, since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But listen to this. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things, not bad things, just other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. It struck me as I was reading that. It's not bad things, just other things. In other words, it can be really possible for the seed to be sown today. It doesn't matter if it's me. It could be Pastor Tim. It could be the Apostle Paul preaching and people watching on the other screen. This is the tragedy, kind of the bittersweetness about what happens every Sunday. Is there's going to be people hear the word, and it's going to be input into their life. It's going to be acted out. It's going to be applied. It's going to be transformational. And there will be other people each Sunday, Pastor Steve, that say, man, that was awesome. That was really great. Honey, wasn't that great? That was really, really awesome. All right, what do you want for lunch? Because the seed, they clap for the seed. But other things, not even bad things. So, some, what are the other things? See, here's what, I want, here's what I want to tell you. What are the other things that choke out my excitement for God? You, you, you know when fresh breath comes in my lungs? You, you know when I catch my breath? When my walk with Jesus stops being obligation and starts being passion. When, when, my, when my ought to's turn into get to's. It's not, oh, man, I really need to read the Bible more. I really need to pray more. It's no, he is the desire of my heart. What choked out the word is not that they were bad people. They were probably good people. They are probably people that said, you know, I do love Jesus, and I do think I should go to church on Sundays. But what I'm really fired up about is, and the hunger for God is choked out. And all that's left is obligation. And stale religion and obligation of I think I need to try harder will make you miserable. But anybody, you better shove your spouse if you know this. But when you fall in love, oh, it becomes a delight. Oh, it, oh, it becomes easy, doesn't it? Because it's not obligation, it's passion. What's choking out my excitement for God? Not, you don't get a fresh breath of air by trying harder. You get a breath of fresh air by saying, I can't believe what God is doing in my life. And I'm so pumped about it. What, what, what needs to, I love this, C.S. Lewis, he wrote this book called The Screwtape Letters. If you know C.S. Lewis, he's this old famous Christian author, and, and he wrote this fascinating book. And the book is written, um, fictional book, but it's allegorical, it's written from the point of view of a senior demon to his nephew demon. It's weird, but you should read it. And he's giving advice to his nephew demon on how to tempt young Christians. And so the, the amateur demon, the nephew, one time he, 
he sends this letter in this book, in this fictional book, and says, uh, Uncle Wormwood, uh, it looks like this new believer of the enemy, God, is seeming to grow in their faith after every church service. Should I tempt him? And he, he mentioned a bunch of, you know, horrible, gross sins. And Uncle Wormwood wrote back to his nephew and uh, said, oh, you amateur. All you need to do is remind him of lunch. Because sometimes the reality of eternal things can easily be crowded out way easier just by the simple, just the other things. Not bad things, just other things. The cares of life. The cares of life. Is this too hard? The cares of life. One, one other thing. I, I think I was so moved a couple weeks ago by Pastor Tim's message on unity. And I, and, and I just so resonated with his heart on this is a time uh, for those of us that haven't experienced what others have experienced to educate ourselves. And I've, I've been on my own journey over the last five or six years and, and uh, more so over the last few weeks. And um, wherever you are in the journey, whatever you believe, here's what I love is that you don't, we don't have, uh, you can have unity without uniformity. And you may be, there's people that are watching this that disagree, and that's okay. And you know one of the things I found out, Pastor Steve, that chokes out disunity is simple conversations. I've had conversations over the last two weeks with people that think systemic racism is an issue and people that think it is not an issue. I've I've had conversations and lunches with Republicans, Democrats, and, and everywhere in between. Can I tell you the only thing that I've noticed in my life that chokes out the possibility for mutual understanding and love is if I lock myself in an echo chamber and don't have conversations. Isn't it true? I know this is going to get awkward and it may get, you know. But isn't it true you can almost talk to somebody for a few minutes and know what news they watch? Is that, is that too? But see, the only problem with an echo chamber is it's just me. Hello, hello, hello. And then my favorite echo that I hear back, you're right, you're right, you're right. And then I keep reading the articles that confirm I'm right and watching the news that confirms I'm right and surrounding myself with my friends that keep telling me I'm right. And to be honest, I kind of love it because I keep realizing how right I am. And to be honest, I start to get annoyed, Tracy, because about all the idiots that don't realize how right I am. (laughs) And you know it's true. Come on. I'm guilty. We're all guilty. But I just told somebody the other day, I said, what would happen? Just crazy challenge. What would happen? All of us, no matter where you are in anything. What would happen if just for a month you took your echo chamber, poured gasoline on it, and blew it up? And just spent a month and said, I'm going to walk in whatever the other shoes are. You can always come back to it. I guess that's where the analogy fails. You'd have to revive the blown up echo chamber. But, But I've noticed that conversations, whoever it's with, whatever they believe, open up at least the possibility for mutual respect Amen. and understanding. Because it's, it's just a lot easier to post, though, isn't it, than, than to have a conversation or to make a point than to make a difference. And, but I've noticed as I, as I step into conversations, it does something on the inside of me. Point number two, open the flow. What, what's one practical step? Through all my rambling, what's one practical step to open the flow in your life. And then the third one is this. Is this helping anybody today? Here's the third one today. Is choose your source. Choose your source. At some point I have to decide if I want my lungs to be filled with air, what am I going to breathe in? What am I going to breathe in? I, I, you know, I have a sister that lives in Denver, and I'm, sometimes we'll, we'll take a ski lift to the top with the really clean mountain air, and it's cool to watch the Olympians train out there. And sometimes, depending on what city you live in, you can't really pick what kind of air you breathe in. But I want to tell you today and encourage you that you can pick what spiritual air you breathe in. And I specifically want to tell you and encourage you with this. And I just want to be really clear. I need more of the breath of God through the person of the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't know. I don't know what your upbringing is. I don't know what your experience 
has been with God's presence. Maybe you're, you're brand new to church, but can I just tell you, have you ever felt like you've been sold a bill of goods and you've read the incredible things in Scripture, but something in you, no matter how many times you go to church or how many times you serve, tells you there's got to be more? Have you ever just, man, just felt powerless in your Christian life? Have you ever felt like, man, I am in a car. I got all the tools that I need. I got the steering wheel. I got the engine. I got all these things. I've been through XU. I've served. I've done all these things. But to be honest, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I still feel like this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And I still feel dry. And I still feel powerless. It's like I'm in the car. And I got all the tools in the car. But there's no gas in the tank. And I want to encourage you. If that's you today, you're not alone. But there is an answer. And the answer is the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. But before Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples one time, actually before he was he even died, he said, I'm going away. And then he told them something crazy. The son of God that they'd walked with for years, he said, I'm going away, but I'm telling you the truth. It's to your advantage. Can you, and I feel the presence of God. I'm telling you, God is about to breathe new life into somebody. Can you imagine how crazy that sounded? That it's better that Jesus go away. But he says, if I go away, the spirit, the same spirit of me won't just be with you. He'll be in you and he'll empower you and he'll give you strength. And look, I get it. Maybe, maybe you've been so turned off by weird Christians. There are so many people that have done such goofy things in the name of the Holy Spirit. I've seen it. Maybe you've seen it. And maybe you've just been so turned off by the fullness of the Spirit because you've seen people that have been abusive or manipulative with it. Or maybe you've even met that person that has like that air of superiority because they operate in some gift. It's like they're better than you and you've been so turned off by that. I want you to know I'm turned off by that. I think God is turned off by that. But the genuine person of the Holy Spirit, his presence, his gifts, his fruit, his anointing, his breath, his touch. Maybe you're so strong that you don't need it, but I'll tell you without any shame, I need it. I need you, Holy Spirit. Maybe right where you are, just say, I need you, Holy Spirit. Somebody once told me, said the three most powerful words you could ever say to the Spirit of God are also the three most simple words. I need you. I need your breath in my lungs. I, I, I need, I, I cannot, I will not let the foolishness of others keep me at a distance from the fullness of the Spirit of Almighty God. I need everything he's got. This world is too crazy. My breath is too empty. I need the breath of Almighty God. And I want you to know today, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate breath giver. If you need a breath of fresh air in your lungs. This is, this is what Paul prayed for his church. Ephesians 5.18, he said this. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's wickedness. It's stupid. It'll get you in all kinds of trouble. But listen to what he said to do instead. But be filled. He said, I'm going to tell you something that's even better than getting drunk with wine. Some of you, are, maybe you're new in your faith, like, I don't know if there is anything better than being drunk with wine. But Paul said, there's something even better than being drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's talking to believers. He said, I don't want you just to have a little bit of God's presence. I want you to be full. The original uh, language in this uh, translation, it, it means to continually be being filled with the Spirit of God. Can I tell you, if you want more of God's spirit today, you can have it. It may be the best news all day. If I want to catch my breath, I've got to catch his breath. If I want more breath in my lungs, I need more of a spirit in my life. And, you know, Pastor Steve, I love the Father's Day message, learning about the Father's heart. And one of the things about the Father's heart is he's so generous. And here's what Jesus said about the generous father's heart. Luke eleven thirteen. 13. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. In other words, even though you're imperfect dads on earth, you may be good dads, but you're still imperfect. Correct. If you know how to give good gifts, listen to this. What a promise today. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Did you know all you have to do is ask? I love that. You don't have to beg. You don't have to run aisles. You don't have to do weird things. All you got to say is, God, everything you have, I need it. In fact, is it okay? I know we're running out of time. Can I teach for just a moment? Did you know the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity? He is 
God. It's a mystery we'll never be able to wrap our finite minds around this side of eternity. But did you know in the Old Testament, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to get nerdy for a moment. In the Old Testament, the word for Holy Spirit was ruah. Ruah. You know what it means? It means breath. The bre- when it says in the beginning, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, what it means is the breath of God hovered over the waters. When it says the Spirit of God came on a man or woman, it means the breath of God came on a man or woman. In the New Testament, so the Old Testament is written primarily in Hebrew. Some of you are thinking, I don't care. Just bear with me for a moment. You will. I promise. In the Old Testament, written primarily in Hebrew. In the New Testament, written primarily in Greek. The New Testament word for the Holy Spirit is pneuma. Guess what it means? Breath. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God for our lungs. And and you know, one last teaching moment and I promise we're coming to a close, but you know a lot of people think the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost, Tracy, but that's not true. They were filled on the day of Pentecost. John said, there's somebody coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie, and I baptize you with water, but he will baptize, immerse, completely fill you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That was when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but that's not when the Holy Spirit was given. The Holy Spirit was given in John 20, 21 through 22, before he ascended. This is what he said. He's speaking to his disciples behind closed doors. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then look at this. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thought to me to think of how close God must be to breathe into a human being. Have you ever thought about the fact that the first thing Adam probably saw were the eyes of God? The moment he opened his eyes as a human being, he saw the face of God because that's how close you have to be to breathe. Right now, we were trying to be six feet away. How close must God have been to breathe into Adam? But then the tragedy of that kind of, that's what you were made. You weren't made to be a good Christian. You were made for intimacy, friendship with Almighty God. But then sin destroyed it all, and we died spiritually. And then Jesus came to restore us to life spiritually. And then he said, now that it's restored, guess what I'm about to do? I'm about to breathe right back into you. And he got so close. It must have been awkward, even for ancient times. But he got so close to them that he breathed into them. And here's a question today. Am I walking close enough to catch the breath of God? Am I walking close enough to Jesus to catch? Could it be that I'm at such a distance and that's why I'm so out of breath? Because I'm not walking in a way to where his breath is flowing in me. You know, when I was, when I was in college, there was this college ministry. It was a long time ago. I hate to admit it, but it was a long time ago. And there was this college ministry in Charlotte called Dust. I thought it was this cool, trendy little name. You know where it came from? As you may not know this, but Jesus, he was a teacher, but he was also a rabbi. Back then, they knew him as rabbi. He had apprentices that followed him. And and there was this old ancient Hebrew saying that said this. It said, may you follow your rabbi so closely that you are always covered in his dust. Am I walking close enough to rabbi Jesus, Lord Jesus, God, my best friend, that I'm catching his breath that I'm covered in his dust. And so I just want to give a moment for anyone that needs to catch their breath. Here's what I've been praying all day. We've, there's a lot of different angles. In fact, this may sound weird to encourage, but I encourage you, if you haven't taken notes, to watch this message a few more times, not because of me, but because we've covered so much in this word that what I really felt as I prayed is that God is going to speak to us, me, starting with me, God is going to speak to us about multiple areas of our life through this message. And so I encourage you to go back, but what I really felt, what I've prayed all day is that the breath of God will be on this so much that he would put his breath back into you and that he would breathe something new into your lungs. So I'm going to pray for you. And I want to ask you, if if you feel comfortable, this may sound weird, but there's something powerful about the posture of our bodies. There's something powerful about just having palms raised towards the sky. It's a posture of receiving. If somebody somebody said, hey, I'm going to put $50, I'm going to give you $50, the first thing you do is 
put your palm out to receive. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to receive today. It's not spooky. It's not weird. I just believe he wants to breathe on you today the way he breathed on Adam. The way he breathed into his disciples. And so if you would just, if you feel comfortable, maybe close your eyes and put your palms out. And I want to pray for you today. Lord, I've just felt so burdened all week for everyone that feels out of breath. But God, you have more than enough. And I ask for the wind of heaven to fill the sails of every man and woman who feels overwhelmed, stressed, strained, out of control, hanging on by a thread. Would you breathe into them right now by the power of your presence, by the power of your spirit? Lord, if things are falling apart, maybe marriage is hanging on by a thread. I I love the image of Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. It just looked dead. It looked hopeless. And God, you asked your servant, can these bones live? And he said, God, I don't even know if these bones can live. It seems so impossible. And then you said, well, son of man, prophesy to the breath. And I speak to the breath. I pray the breath of God to put dead things back together. In Jesus' name, starting right this moment, I pray for things to be put back together in hearts. Things to be put back together in marriages. Things to be put back together on the inside that you would breathe on us. Holy Spirit, we need you. We are not so proud to say that we can do this thing in our flesh and our own abilities. Your word says that it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit my breath says the Lord and we need your breath on our lives again God we just tell you right now wherever you are sitting at home in the car airplane boat wherever say God I need your breath on my life again I need you to breathe on me and then every head still bowed every eye still closed if you don't know Jesus I actually would ask you to look up because I want to read to you one last verse And show you what Jesus did for you. Maybe you feel so far from God. Maybe you didn't even understand half of what I've talked about in this message. You just know something's tugging on the inside. And you need to be right with God. I want to show you something beautiful Jesus did just for you. Mark 15, 37 through 38 says, with a loud cry. This is Jesus dying on the cross for me and you. It says, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. In other words, everything that could ever separate you from God, destroyed in a moment. Jesus gave his last physical breath that you may take your first spiritual breath. Today could be your spiritual birthday. Today could be the day that you come home. And I want to pray with anybody if that's you. Would would you maybe click the digital hand on your screen? Maybe type the word life in the chat if that's you. And pray this after me. Say, dear Jesus. I need you. I don't even know all the words to pray. I just know you died for me. And I'm asking you to come inside of me and change me from the inside out. Forgive me. Give me a brand new life, a brand new future. And I promise to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and amen. And amen. Hey, we're celebrating with everyone that cross that line of faith and we're believing the breath of God to rest on you we're going to sing one more song and I want to encourage you wherever you are to make it a place of worship as we draw near to God